If you're joining us for the first time, welcome to the Epic Life Church Podcast. For the rest of you epic friends and family out there, get ready for part four of Relationship Rescue, Love in Action. Here we go. How are you guys doing today? You seem like it. Everyone seems pretty pumped up today. That's awesome. I'm glad you guys are here today as we conclude our Relationship Rescue series. I got to tell you, I think out of all of the topics we're covering in this month, this one is going to be the most practical. But before we get to that, I want to invite you guys to come back next week because we're kicking off a brand new series next week called Dark Horses. We're to talk about uh, the fact that a lot of times we see extraordinary people and we think, wow, I wish I could be extraordinary like that. We're going to talk about characters in the Bible who did extraordinary things but came from ordinary, humble beginnings out of nowhere to be used by God in great ways. And we're going to talk about maybe how God could use us as a dark horse in our lives as well. So please come back. I've been looking forward to this series for several months now. I'm looking forward to talking through each week a different character in Scripture that did extraordinary things, kind of out of nowhere, did amazing things for God and and just inspire ourselves as we live for God in our lives. So be there for that. Now, just quick review, especially if this is your first week to Relationship Rescue. This is part four. But when we began this, we kicked it off. We talked about how we're going to walk through one essential skill to relationships, to have healthy relationships each week of this series. And so we kicked off the very first week with a doozy. We talked about forgiveness. Forgiveness is tough, especially if you're in a situation right now where, where uh, you're at odds with somebody or somebody has done, done something to you. Um, to try and forgive them. That's tough. But we talked about that. And if you didn't see that one, go back on YouTube and watch that one. The week after that, we talked about conflict resolution and the idea that a lot of people in, in life get divorced because of irreconcilable differences. We said, what if, what if in our relationships our differences were reconcilable? What if we could work through those, those conflicts and, and work to the good for both people in that relationship? Last week, we talked about the all-important skill of communication. Anybody ever get in trouble with communication in a relationship? (laughs) If you didn't listen to last week, if you weren't here or you haven't seen that one yet, if you're online, you haven't watched that, get on there on YouTube and watch that. We talked specifically about our listening skills related to communication and all three of these really great topics to build better relationships in this series. But this week, we're going to be talking about um, this idea of love and action. And I'd like to go back in Scripture to the very first passage we talked about in the first week. And if you have your Bible, if you're online and you want to open the Bible tab or get your Bibles out on your, or your Bible app, we're going to open to the famous love passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And this won't be up on the screen, so if you want to follow along, that's the way to do it. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's about this far into your Bible. And if you're turned this way, about that far in. So you're talking towards the end of the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And this is actually the author, Paul. He wrote two letters to the church in ancient Corinth, which is in in, uh, Greece, uh, modern-day Greece. And he wrote two letters to them, giving them instructions. This is from his first letter to them. And so in chapter 13, verse 1, he says this, He says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, if I could predict the future, and if I understood all God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, that'd be a lot of faith, but didn't love others, I would be nothing pretty strong words. Verse 3, if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. 
But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. We're going to talk today about love. Love in action. Probably the greatest skill you could possess in any relationship is your ability to love, to love other people. And I want, I want to dive into that, talk about this idea. That when I was growing up, I wasn't allowed to listen to, to the devil's music. I had to listen to all, all Christian music. And there was two bands that I could listen to. If you're, if you're like uh, from my generation, you can holler out Michael W. Smith. Yeah, yeah. Um, Newsboys. Audio Adrenaline. Amy Grant wasn't edgy enough for me. I, I wanted some like hardcore rock and roll dude. But, but one of my favorite bands that they broke up since then, but three guys, DC Talk. DC Talk, hip hop and rap. Oh my goodness, these guys were awesome. They had a song on one of their albums called Love is a Verb. And it's funny how profound that song was. I remember even then this idea. I'd never thought of the fact that love is not just an idea. Love is not like a noun. It can be used in that form. But love, in essence, is a verb. It is action. You can't love without action. It's impossible to love without putting action forth. Today we're talking about love and action. And I believe the biggest challenges in any relationship falls between what I intended to do and what I actually did. Intentions and actions. We're going to talk about that today. I, uh, I got the opportunity to go camping last week. And uh, one of the things that we cooked over the, the stove was chili, like Nally's chili, just poured out. I mean, good old wholesome, healthy chili. And when we were done, like you're cooking over a flame, and the flame baked the chili onto the bottom of the pot. And so when it was done, we soaked it in water, and then we scraped it a little bit and poured it out and put some more water in. But it was just not coming off. And I, I, I was looking at that, and I actually took this, this a spork that I had, a little camping spork, metal one, and I'm scraping it, scraping it, scraping it. I'm like, I don't want to ruin the pan, but it is not coming off. So I'm like, I'm going to leave this in water overnight and see what happens. Wouldn't you know, when I got up in the morning, the chili had lifted magically by itself in a, in a sheet off the bottom and was floating in the pot the next morning. I couldn't scrape it off for the life of me, but you let it sit in the pot. The magic and wonder of time soaking a pot. Well, as you might imagine, I like to be an efficient person. And so my wife, who loves, you probably heard me talk about this, my, my wife loves one sanctuary spot in the whole house, a clean kitchen. But I'm a time management person. And it is not time managing to sit there and scrub and scrub and scrub. And sometimes I make oatmeal. You guys ever had oatmeal? And when you, if you cook oatmeal, the bottom of the, the pan when you're done, it's got a whole bunch of like stuff. In the, it's like stuck on, it's slimy, it's like this film. And it doesn't come off. So I like to soak it with the intention of coming back and cleaning it off later. As you might imagine, my good intentions don't lead very far sometimes because I forget and my wife, my poor wife, is the one who gets to come up and clean up the mess after I've been in there. Anybody, can, can you guys relate to that? You have intentions to do something. You meant well, but you didn't follow through on it. And for the person who's on the receiving end of that, how does that feel? Like, oh, well, if you've intended to, well, that's great. By all means, do that every time. That's fine, because you intended. It's not the way it works, right? Love is action. It's follow through. We, here's the thing, though. We tend to judge other people by their actions while we judge ourselves by our intentions. Is anybody missing this? Does that seem like a bit of a double standard? What I intended to do is how I judge myself, 
and what other people actually did, whether they intended to or not, that's how they're getting judged. You know, we've heard the saying before, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Not really the area we were wanting to go to, right? That's the wrong path. So today, we're going to spend some time talking about how to close the gap between our intentions and our actions. And I just want to share with you three simple thoughts. Three simple but profound thoughts. If you put these into practice in your life, they will revolutionize your relationships, all of them. So take good notes, listen closely, because what we talk about today is the difference between a good relationship and a great relationship. Love and action. Here's the first thought to close the gap between intentions and actions. Number one, if you think something good, say it. If you think something good, Say it. Not rocket science. If someone in your family has done something good and you think, wow, that was really nice they did. How many times have, have you ever thought that and not said it? Let me be the first to raise my hand and say, way more times than I actually spoke the words, I thought good about somebody and forgot to say that to them. Just kind of thinking they know what I know. So, you know, if it changes, I'll let you know. But, but you know, I think you do a good job. Keep up the good work. And I'll tell you every time that, you know, that you wonder, yeah, you're doing a good job. But I'm not going to mention it when I think of it. Why would we do that? Why would we not say something good if we thought something positive? In your marriage, your husband actually puts the socks in the laundry. Why would you not, of all situations, speak up at that moment and reward the behavior that you want repeated? And yet we think it, but we don't say it. Or we'll say something like, about time you got it right. That doesn't really lead anywhere, does it? Paul, as he's writing a letter to the church in, in Thessalonica, says this. He says, so encourage each other and build each other up. If you ever think something positive about someone, say it. Let me just pause and talk to you uh, here today, whether you're online or, or here live. If you're a couple, you have a spouse. And you're, if you're married, you remember back in the early days when you were dating and I love you got said a lot. Like after you, no, the first, there's the first, you don't say anything. And then one person's like, I love you. And they're like, I do too. And like, okay. And then you start saying it all the time. And then something happens after you get married and it becomes less frequent, less frequent. But you know, every once in a while, hey, I love you. I, lo I love you. Ah, oh, I love you. You want to know how to revolutionize that phrase right there? One word. I love you because and then fill in a phrase of why you love them. I love you because you're the best mom in the world. I love the way you, you raise our kids. I love you because when I forget to pick up my socks, you go and put them in the hamper behind me and you don't say anything to me. You're gracious, I love you. I love you because you always have my back. I'm not a detail-oriented person and you always cover me when I forget the details. I love you because. What if you, you said that every time you said I love you to your spouse, you're the person that you, the object of your affection, you said I love you because, and you filled in a unique phrase each time. Not the, don't say the same thing over and over, broken record. There's more than one thing, hopefully, that you love them for, and think ahead of time about why you love them, and fill it in I love you because. Now, if you're not in a couple situation right now, you're kind of probably tuning me out. Don't, because this works in every relationship. Maybe you're not going to go to your boss and say, I love you because, but you could. <laughs> Try it. Tell me how that goes. But you could say, I appreciate you because you always get me the reports in enough time to finish my project. 
I appreciate you because every time I've asked to get off work for, for vac vacations or whatever, you are so accommodating with my schedule. You're very flexible with my hours. I appreciate you because um, you're always making sure we have the right resources to get our job done. It's not tough because you always give us the right. I, I appreciate you because you could use this in, in, with your neighbors. I appreciate that you turn your music off after 10 o'clock. You know, whatever it is, I appreciate you because, and fill in the blank, how would that change your relationships? Here's the thing. Whenever you don't say something good to someone in a relationship, by human nature, people automatically assume the opposite is true. Think, think about this. You text somebody. You're having a conversation back and forth. And you're like, last text, you're like, hey, how did I do on that speech at work yesterday? <whistles> the radio silence crickets. All night, nothing. You're like, oh, they didn't like it. They think it was awful. They're trying to think of how to let me down gently. They're trying to think of what thing they could pick out of that was positive so they could actually say something positive appealing to me. And the next morning, nothing still. And you're like, oh my goodness, it's that bad. And then finally at 9 o'clock a.m., oh, hey, sorry, I set my phone down after we were talk, texting last night to have dinner with my family and I haven't picked it up since then. Just saw your text. Man, you did an awesome job on that speech. But we automatically assume the worst, the opposite in those situations. So think about that. If, if you're in a relationship with somebody, don't let them assume. Tell them. Let them know. If you think of something good, say it to them. The author of Proverbs uh, 16, Solomon says this, Proverbs 16, 24, he says, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. You know, I've always looked at that passage and I thought, well, yeah, that makes sense. Honey is sweet, it's soothing, I like honey. And so I can see what he means by that. Kind words are like honey. But then you read that second half of that verse, he says, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. I thought, that's interesting. My buddy Boyd, who uh, helps us put the shows together week, he saw this verse in the notes and he said, hey, Mike, check out this video about honey and the benefits of honey. So I looked at it. Did you know, I didn't know this about honey. Number one, honey can last forever if it's stored properly, like no expiration date. But funny that, that Solomon says this 2,500 years ago. Now the scientist is finally backing up saying what he, so he said. It's good for the soul. It's healthy for the body. It, uh, honey contains vitamins, enzymes, and minerals, all the nutrition that we need to actually survive as people. It's an antioxidant. It cleanses your body from various toxins. It boosts your metabolism. It lowers your cholesterol, gives you better memory, fights dementia and stress, helps you sleep better, gives you a healthier stomach. Interesting. That sounds like the wonder drug. Like, I'm going to go get some honey now. I like eating it too, but, but here's, the, here's this list of all these, these wonderful benefits that science has proven about honey. And what the author of Proverbs was saying, he says, when you treat somebody with kindness, when you say kind words to them, it's like, it's like honey, sweet to them. It's, it's sweet to their soul, healthy for their body. So the first thing is if you, say, if you uh, think something good, say it. Here's the sec second thing in your notes. If you think something special, do it. If you think up something special, do it. It does no good to think up special stuff that you never do. You don't want to get credit for that either, by the way. It's not going to happen. You can't tell your spouse, oh, I was going to bring you a dozen roses today. You don't get credit for bringing a dozen roses if you don't actually do it, right? <laughs> Let me break this one down into two separate actions if you want to do something special. Number one is purposeful time. You can fill that in. Purposeful time. It's about being intentional with the time you spend with the people you're in relationship with. Purposeful time. And uh, the verse I want to share with you from Hebrews, let us not neglect our meeting together or as some people do, but encourage one another. Let's not neglect our time together. 
purposeful time spent together to encourage one another. You know, um, we have rhythms in our family to make sure that our purposeful time is intentional and that we don't miss out on it and, and have, again, good intentions, but we don't actually follow through on that. And so every week, I have a date night with my wife. Every week, my wife and I do a family night with our kids. And then once a month, we do a daddy-daughter date. And so I go out with each of my daughters separately. And then every once in a while, we do something crazy, like the camping trip we just did last week was an overnight trip. This, you know, it takes a little more time. So we get both of them together, and it's a double daddy-daughter date. You see what I did there? Four Ds, man. I'm so good with my alliteration. It, it just, I, I amaze myself. But we have these rhythms built into our time. And the question is that I want to ask you is, with the people that you value, the people you're in a relationship with, do you intentionally, purposely spend time for them? Do you set aside time? Do you actually calendar it in to make sure it doesn't get missed? See, there's something special that happens when you reconnect in a way that you simply can't do when you're in the normal routines of life. You have to be purposeful with your time. It takes time. I was, I was uh, telling you guys last week that my daughters used to come up to me and grab me by the cheeks when I was younger, or when they were younger, and say, Daddy, look at me. Sometimes we just need to pause and look at each other. Look into to each other's souls to see each other and say, how are you doing? How's it going? Do we take the time to be purposeful and intentional? See, you're going to have to say no to a lot of things most people say yes to in order to say yes to something very few people have, quality relationships. It means there's a lot of things you're going to have to say no to to have enough time to give intentional, purposeful time to the people in your life. Here's a second way you can live out doing something if you think of something special to do, and that is thoughtful acts. And I got a question for you. I want you, this isn't in your notes, but it's worth writing down. Here's the question as you approach everybody in every situation where you're going to interact with somebody in relationship is this. How can I serve you? How can I serve you? That should be the thought in your head, in your mind, before you come up to somebody, before you approach anybody. Whether there's somebody you know or somebody you've never met, how can I serve you? James 2, James talks about faith, how faith without works is dead. And he says in your notes, verse 15, suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you do nothing. You don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? I'll answer that question. It doesn't do any good at all. Who cares if you wish people well? Are you doing anything to back that up? You have to do, do thoughtful acts to, to serve people in your life. See, James tells us that faith without works is dead. I'd like to pose for you that love without actions is dead. Love lived out with, without actions in your life is dead. What good are your words if they're not backed up with the actions? Ralph Waldo Emerson said, your actions speak so loudly I cannot hear what you are saying. A lot of times we are saying I love you. We're, we're saying I appreciate you. We're saying I care about you. But our actions are speaking an entirely different sentence to them. We're saying something entirely different with our actions than we are with our words. We have to put thoughtful action into what we're doing. Jesus actually said this. It's not in your notes. John 13, 35. Jesus said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. The one mark that sets you apart from everybody else as a follower of Jesus is your love for one another. But love is nothing if it's just words. Could people watch without hearing your words? Could people watch your actions with the people that you're in community with and know that you love them, to know that you were a follower of Jesus? Would you be convicted, become guilty of being a follower of Jesus by your actions towards other people? Would they be able to see your love? Love is action. 
So if you think something good, say it. If you think so, or I'm sorry, if you say think something good, say it. If you uh, think something good or special, rather, do it. I get confused in my words there. And number three, if you want something different, be it. If you want something different in your relationships, be it. You know the saying, "Be the change you want to see in the world." You, if you want something different in your relationships, you be the one to step forward. Don't demand that they change. You make the change in yourself first. Be the change that you wish to see in your relationships. If you don't like what you're getting, look at what you're giving. It's very telling. Shine the light on yourself first before you shine it on other people. And that's just our natural tendency is to point out all the faults in everybody else. Get the attention off us. But what if we took the, the, the light and shined it, a little spotlight right on us and said, hmm, what I'm asking of them, my expectation of them, I'm not really doing that well myself. How could I expect it of them if I'm not actually giving that out in my, my own relationship interactions? Hebrews 10, the author of Hebrews says this as well. He says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And I, I can think of no better motivation that you can give someone but then by leading by example, by being the change, by being the example you wish to see in them. It goes back to the golden rule. Treat others the way you want to be treated. What if you were the change that you wanted to see in the relationship? What if you lived that out first? You might not get it perfect, but I guarantee they're going to follow suit. They're going to follow behind you, and they're going to learn from your example. God calls us to lead to be influencers. The author of Hebrews also says this, not in your notes, Hebrews 12, 1, he says, we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Let us run this race. He says the race of life following Jesus is this race that we're in, and there's a crowd watching us, gather around watching us run this race. And since we are in this crowd of, of people watching us, witnessing what we're doing, let us live out in action. Let us be the example to lead them the way that we, that we should go. That's what love is in action. That's what it means to, to embody love with their life. I like uh, this one lady at the grocery store where I shop. She's one of the grocery clerks there. And every time I go there, I make a point to be in her line, and I make a point. We have a conversation almost every single time, unless she's busy helping somebody else out. We're talking all the time. How's it going? And we're, we're you know, she shares stuff like my, my uh, friend just died. I had to go down and do it the funeral down in California. She'll tell me stuff about her job. She's working two jobs and how she's just dog tired and is going to take a day off tomorrow because she needs some rest. But there's one thing about this lady is that every time you interact with her, she's showing love to you in every way, shape, and form. There's always a smile on her face. And it's funny, I'm not the only one that likes to hang out in her lane. I see other people do it as well. And every time I walk up to the, to the line that, that, she's, that she's leading, there's people chatting with her with a smile on their face. The other day, my wife and I, we were talking to her, and um, she was telling us that she doesn't really care for the job so much that she does, but man, the customers are the best customers in the world. She loves the customers, and that's why she does what she does. Little does she know the reason why she's got the best customers in the world is because she's leading by example. She's putting the best foot forward first. There's a guy, um, there's a Jimmy John's, John's subshot just down the street, and this guy named Mike, love Mike. If you ever go to Jimmy John's just down the street here, Mike is my favorite guy. Every time I come to work, because we, we, he's, uh, he's autistic, and every time we, we, we go there, he asked one time what my name was, and I told him it was Mike. He goes, Mike, that's my name too, I'm Mike. So every time I go there, he's like, 
hi, Mike, how you doing? I'm like, how you doing, Mike? I'm good. Mike, would you like a straw with your meal? He always, he's, many times you can throw my name out. He's throwing my name. He just loves. But here's the thing. The sweetest, the sweetest sound to any person in any language is their name. And he says my name over and over to me with just joy in his face. And this week, he, he, my wife sometimes is with me, not that often, but this week we went there. My wife was with me, and he's like, who's this with you? And I said, this is my wife, Sandy. Hi, Sandy, how you doing? So I went there a few days later. He's like, hi, Mike, how you doing? He goes, he goes, hey, how's Sandy doing? Tell Sandy I said hi. I want to go every time to, to, to Jimmy John's just so I can have a conversation so Mike can lift me up. If you want to see change in relationships, you be the change first. There's two examples of people who, by the way, I don't believe either are followers of Jesus who are, who are schooling us and showing us what love and action looks like. If people walked, watched the way you interact this week with every person you interact with, would they be able to tell that you're a follower of Jesus just by the way you interact with them? Are you leading by example? As I wrap up this series... My heart is burdened because I think right now about this conversation we've had many times before, that there is a desperate need for love in our world today. And our world is lacking in big ways. My interaction is that people are too busy to have conversations, they're too scared to engage in conversation, or they're upset because you have a different view than them on one small issue. So people are at odds with each other. You see it online, you see it in the media, and I see it even when I'm in person. It's got to change. We all know it. As I'm talking to you guys, I'm seeing everyone's heads nodding. Yes, yes, you were right. No one, I don't have to convince you that the world is lacking love and that we need more love in the world today. And yet, if we think that's true, are we willing to be the change that we think the world desperately needs? We have to start. We have to put our foot forward first. Epic Life has a reputation for being a generous church. I love the reputation we have in the community. Whenever you talk to anybody who knows Epic Life Church who does not attend here, they talk about our generosity. They know us as a generous church, and that's cool because out of we have six values. That's one of our values, generosity. But I have another value that I want us to be known for, our reputation in the community, and that's the value that we have of people first. And that value states this, that we are people of value. We recognize our value because God made us as priceless people. But we also recognize he made everybody else in that same fashion. And so we are people of value who seek to add value to others. My friends, that's love in action. I would love it if we got the reputation, even superseding the generosity reputation, of being the church that loves, that loves anybody everywhere. And by the way, this includes your enemies. This includes the people you don't get along with. This includes the people who have wronged you in some way and you're at odds with them. Jesus doesn't give any exceptions. He says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. It's our job to love. But if the world so desperately needs love, and yet we're not living it out with our lives, how in the world do we expect the world to change? It starts with us. In your notes, on the back page there, there's a little worksheet for you to fill in the people who you engage with this week. Maybe your family members, relatives, co-workers, neighbors, grocery clerks, gas station attendants, wait staff at the restaurant that you frequent. 
Who are the people that you assume you'll be connected with? And you may know names for some of them. You may be like the guy two cubicles down because you've never actually met him before. You might say um, the, per, the neighbor across the street because you don't know their name, but you know the people in your mind. You know who these people are, the people that you are likely to interact with this week. Write them down. And you can do that right now. I want you to start filling this in while I'm talking. There's like 20 slots. You may not need all of them. You may need more slots than I gave you for certain areas and less slots for others. I don't care. Find, find in the margin to write down the name of all the people that you think you're going to interact with on this week. You may not be thorough. You might miss some. There might be people you think you're going to interact with you end up, end up not actually meet or talking to this week. That's okay. But I want you to be thinking of all the people that you plan on interacting with this week. And here's what I want you to do with this list as you're writing it down. I want to throw out a bold challenge to each one of you. And I throw it out to myself too because I'm not perfect at this as well. This is something I have to work on. Would you do the challenge? That's a, it's next step number, number two, I believe, in your notes. I will take the kind words challenge this week. And what I would like you to do is think every situation that you interact with somebody before you interact with them, that question I, I said earlier, how can I serve you, is the first question that comes to your mind. And when you interact with them, you're interacting very intentionally and you're saying loving things and things that add value to people as you're talking to them. Every conversation, every interaction you have. Maybe we're not gonna go as far as doing kind actions, thoughtful acts towards them this week. Maybe it can lead to that. I'm just saying the first step, that every interaction you have with people this week, I don't care if you're a morning person and you haven't had your coffee yet. You have a choice. You can show love in action. I don't care if you've had a bad day at work. Your family still deserves for you to show them kindness through your words when you get home. Love in action. I have this thing, I've, I've told you before, that when I'm going running or walking, I do this uh, often, almost every day of the week. And when I'm out on the street in my neighborhood, I often come across people walking their dogs, people on their other exercise walks as well, people walking to the bus station. There's lots of people I interact with. And I made it a point um, probably about a year and a half, two years ago. No one says hello anymore. No one. And so I made it a point that I'm going to say hello to every person I interact with. I don't care. Here's the funny thing. When you're walking down the street and they see you, they'll see you about 50 feet out and they make eye contact with you. And then they turn their head and they got their AirPods in pretending they can't hear a thing you're saying. And they walk by trying not to make eye contact. People are, are nervous interacting with other people or they're, they're just being rude. I don't care which one it is. I'm saying hello. And so every single time I step out and I say hello to these people. And the funny thing is most of the time it shocks them. They kind of, they what? Oh, hey, how you doing? And they're very kind back. But everyone's in their own little world. You know the worst thing that's ever happened to me in doing this? This is scary. But it has happened to me m multiple times. They don't respond. <sighs> but yet we're scared to say hello because we're worried about an awkward engagement. What if that is the first step to opening up to them to being a loving person because you smiled at them, you looked them in the eyes and said, hello, good morning, how are you doing today? And you actually did what people are supposed to do in humankind, is being kind to humans. So it's a, like this, this totally amazing thought. What if we actually said hello? You see, here's the thing. We are driven by fear. We're driven by fear in our relationships to be the one to make ourselves vulnerable by trying to show love to somebody first before they reciprocate. And we're worried on the other end about the rejection we may receive. I read this thing this week about fear. 
And I want to read it to you because I think this is so poignant to what we're talking about. Fear is an emotion. Emotions are learned programs. At some point in our dim and distant past, we have learned to fear the things that we fear. In short, the way out is to take action towards the fear, not away from it. Every time you allow fear to lead you to avoidance, you reinforce the validity of the fear, and every time you step forward anyway and go against the feeling of the fear, you expose it for what it really is, a liar and a fraud. You also begin to reprogram that fear response in a progressively healthier way. Because remember, if you were with us a year ago, we had a series called Winning the War in Your Mind. We talked about how we have these neural pathways that are wired. It's kind of like the idea of walking through the front yard of your, of your house, in front of your property. And if you walk the same path every day in and out, you're going to wear a path in, that, in the grass. That becomes your default way you think and talk when you're interacting. But if you were to go a different way, you can begin to rewire your neural pathways. It's called neuroplasticity. It allows you to, to change your thinking. And what if we did that in this area? What if we said, I'm not going to be fearful anymore and when I'm having conversations with people. I don't care if I make myself vulnerable or if I make myself open to, to people take shots at me. I'm going to be kind to every person I interact with. I'm going to show love in every situation. I don't care regardless because fear is a liar and a fraud and I'm not going to buy into it anymore. What if that's the attitude we had this week? I'm going to throw out a challenge for you. I call this the five-minute challenge. It's only going to take five minutes of your time today. When church dismisses on a normal day, the majority of people find their kids if they have them and they make their way for the door and I usually get a chance to say bye to a few people on the patio as they walk out. Here's what I'm asking for you to do today is to step out of your comfort zone and stay for five minutes. Oh, scary. I guarantee it's not going to make you late to lunch. It's not going to ruin your day. Five minutes that you stick around and you find people and you make eye contact with them. I know it's getting really scary here. And you say, you say the most profound thing you could think of. Hi. How are you today? I'm just spitballing here. What else? Um, hey, that's, that's a, a really nice pair of shoes you got on. Can I try them something? I'll just jump up here. If it gets awkward, just back out of it. It's okay. It's okay. But what if you actually said stuff like, you know, I've ran into you almost every week since I've been coming here, and I know your name, but I don't even know what you do for a living. Could you tell me what it is you do for a living? Let me tell you about what I do for a living. What if you got to know the people here, and you begin to show love to each other and lift them up? And the question you all had before you leave today is not, how can I serve me to get out the door as quick as I can so I can feel comfortable about myself? But what if you said, I'm going to get out of my comfort zone, and the question I have is, I'm looking around the room, is how can I serve you? Now, you can't do this if you're online, but if you're here in the room, I want you to look around right now. Look at everybody in this room. Everybody. You can even make eye contact. It's okay. It's not weird. Don't wink at anybody. That might be weird. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Everybody you just looked at is as valuable to God as you are. They matter. And what if we spent just five minutes investing in a relationship with that person today? As practice, because if we can't even do this, how in the world are we going to see our neighbor pull into their driveway and get out of the car and go, hey, neighbor, how you doing? And they don't even turn around. How are we going to handle that rejection? I'll tell you, by practicing with this group, this is a safe group. Everyone in here, no judgment zone. We're all here doing this. If it gets awkward, we know because we expected it too. And we're just glad that you said the first thing to make it awkward and it wasn't us. 
Love in action. My dear friend and mentor, Pastor Ken, and his wife, Luetta, were with us at the marriage retreat last week. We went out to dinner one of the nights. And you should have seen the care and the value they showed the wait staff going into the restaurant. They had the entire wait staff gathering around them as we were walking up there. And, and I heard Luetta say this. She said, are you serving us today? Oh, no, I got such and such table. She's like, oh, man, I wish you could have been the one serving us today. We go sit down, and we're all going, like, you know, they're like, can I take your order? I'm like, yeah, here's your order. Ken and Luetta, they get to them, and they're like, how are you doing today? Man, I'm so glad that you're waiting on me. Thank you so much. And man, that is contagious. So for the rest of the marriage retreat, I'm like, how can I do that? Let's just say, just for, for the, the idea of theory, that 50 people here are listening online and here are live today. What if 50 of us changed the way we interacted with five people this week? Just five. Not all the ones that you wrote down. Hopefully you're trying. But what if you just changed things for five people by the way you interacted them in a surprising way that caught them off guard and made them go, what in the world did you have in your coffee this morning? What if we treated people like that? My friends, that's 250 people in one week impacted with the love of Jesus. That's what it does. That's how the world changes, guys. One step at a time, one small step at a time. But it's not possible if you don't do it and if I don't do it. Can't just be done with one of us. It takes all of us. So I hope you're all in on this one, that you stick around for five minutes today. And, and by the way, we have a blood drive this week, so we have to clear the chairs off the floor. There's a really easy thing you can do is stack chairs up there. There'll be people showing you how to do it and where to put them so you've got something to do so you don't have to go like, so uh, we got five minutes. Huh? You, you got four and a half left on your clock too? Yeah, me too. Okay. Um, I don't know what to say to you. Um, like, you got something you could be doing for that five minutes. Help them clear it. Many hands make light works, but it also it, it gives you an opportunity to do stuff in community and show loving actions to each other. Do you guys understand the point today? Love is a verb. I want to go back to my friend's DC talk, that song, Love is a Verb. And I, disclaimer, I sing. I can sing country. I don't like it, but I can do it. All my exes live in time. I mean, I can do the draw. I can, I can sing opera like, oh, my love. Like, I can do all the different styles. But here's one thing I can't do. I've never been a good rapper. It comes out a mess, a train wreck. So I'm not going to rap this for you, but I'm going to kind of give it a little bit of a rhythm because if I read it to you without the rhythm, it just doesn't make sense. You've got to feel this one. This is the third verse of Love is a Verb. Back in the day, there was a man who stepped out of heaven and he walked the land. He delivered to the people an eternal choice with a heart full of love and the truth in his voice. Gave up his life so that we may live. How much more love could the Son of God give? Here is the example that we ought to be matching because love is a word that requires some action. I love that. That is deep. Yeah, and by the way, my album comes out in a week. So everyone buy it. Go out and buy it. Tell your friends. Yeah, you're not going to find me rapping. Don't quit my day job for sure on that one. They, they have a pre-course in the song that says, words come easy but don't mean much when the words they're saying you can't put trust in. We're talking about love in a different light and if we're all into love and we would be just right. I love that. How deep is that? My friends, as we wrap up today, I want to give you one last final thought. There is a God in heaven who loves you more than you can ever know. 
And he didn't just shout his love from heaven with words. He demonstrated his love by sending his son. Romans 5.8, Paul says, God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were still sinners, while we were still offending him, Christ died for us. The ultimate act of love, the ultimate sacrifice. And he did that because he values you and each one of you in the room, he values me. If you're online, he values you more than his very life. He gave it up for you and he gave it up for me. If you're here today and you've never made a decision to say, God, I thank you for the love that you showed me by dying on the cross, but I've never actually received that love in my life. Today, for the very first time, I want to receive your love in my life. If that's you this morning, I'm going to say just a really quick prayer, a simple prayer. And as I say it out loud, I invite you to say it along with me in your hearts. Would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, thank you for saving me. I believe in your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. God, I acknowledge today that I'm a sinner. So I ask, please forgive me of my sins. Come into my life today. Fill me with that love that you demonstrated by sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. Fill me with that today. Fill me with your spirit. Lead me and teach me to follow you. And for everybody in the room, let me pray for you. God, I pray for each person here that what I said today would, would pierce to their heart. That love, love is a verb. Love is action. And our words are cheap if they're not backed up by what we do. And the world right now so desperately needs to experience your love and it starts with us. God, give us the boldness, the courage, the words to say this week so that as we engage with the people that we connect with, it would be evident that your love is flowing through us, that they would experience your love firsthand through the words that we say. God, may we be the ones that change this community that eventually changes this world. We thank you for us and we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. That concludes Relationship Rescue, a four-part series. Next week, we'll be starting Dark Horses. Many of the world's most inspiring heroes have been ordinary people who rose up in extraordinary ways. If you've ever doubted that flawed, imperfect people could do the same, join us as we take a look back in time to learn from some of the great dark horses of the Bible and how, despite their flaws and imperfections, we're able to triumph in the midst of doubt and difficult circumstances.